It's a joy to have missionaries again with us today. And uh, these missionaries are from an area of the country that's kind of close to our heart, uh, my wife and I, and that is they're from Ireland. So that whole area is of, of value and significance to us, and you all know why. But it is wonderful to have Brother Jonathan Strickland, his wife, and both daughters are just, both daughters are here. Awesome. We're so glad they're here and want them to be happy in the Lord by being here. And they're going to come and present to you the burden. And I don't, I don't know what all he's going to do. I just talked to him this morning for the first time. But I know you'll receive them. And let's allow the Lord to speak through them to us. What the Lord wants us to hear from him. Amen. And, and let our hearts get enlarged a little bigger for the cause of Christ beyond our own walls. We are, a, we are a church that cares about missions. We've demonstrated this so many times. It's quite evident. But allow your heart to get just a little bit bigger. Amen? Would you clap your hands and stand in honor of the man of God as Brother Strickland comes to minister the word of the Lord and present to us his burden today. You may be seated. Francis uh, just this week was talking with us and 
he said something that just put it all in perspective. He said, when you first came to Ireland, you were promised a church. He said, God gave you a district. Would you give God praise today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That, that's good, but it's a little too melancholic for me because great things are happening. God is moving in Ireland. Somebody once said, build it and they will come. But I have learned this is very true in the kingdom. If you will allow the kingdom to grow in you. That's why Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Not on earth, but in earth. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. In earth as it is in heaven. This is what I have learned. If we allow the kingdom to grow in us, innate in the DNA of the kingdom is the tendency to grow out of us and as you you probably picked up in the in the uh, media presentation there uh, we had a, a transition in our ministry from the country of Greece where we served over 20 years as missionaries there into the country of Ireland and what a incredible honor it was to pastor not just one of the great churches of Europe but one of the great churches of our worldwide fellowship the Crossroads Church of Athens Greece for 20 years where during our tenure there we were able to see over 25 churches planted in 10 different nations through the Crossroads Church in Athens And we were also able to see the church grow to some 600 members at five different campuses to 40 different nationalities in Athens, Greece. What a, what a blessing it was to serve. What an incredible journey. And I think you can see, especially in my wife's words, it was an incredible decision to say we need to go somewhere else. In fact, when I began to express that to my family, to my friends, they all thought I was crazy. Why would you leave one of the great churches of our fellowship to go where there is nothing and start over? And I said, all I know is God is speaking into my heart and telling me I have cities without voices. I have countries without representation. And I need you to go and do it one more time. You have raised up the leaders here. You have grew the, grown the culture here. It's going to go on. It's going to continue. It's going to continue to grow. And I'm happy to say it is. It's continuing to plant. It's continuing to sin. It's continuing to reach. And I don't have time to tell you the story how we ended up in Ireland, but, but it was a long and tenuous, but we exercised faith. And I just want to express to you today, God is faithful, man. God is faithful. Hallelujah. If you step out there and you let the kingdom just sort of grow in you, it will grow out of you. Hallelujah. When we arrived in Ireland, you know, I had been, I had been involved heavily in planning churches that I just expressed to you as a mother-daughter type of a relationship, as the pastor of the mother church. But this was the first time it was just myself, my family, my living room, and God. <laughs> Amen. That's quite intimidating and challenging when you're accustomed to, 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 to church that is well-planned and prepared. And, and uh, I've always been told that's a majority. That's right. that's right. And we went on that faith. And I began to seek the Lord and said, God, in Ireland, you know, we've used this tool, this resource uh, in Greece. Uh, 
you know what's going to connect here. Just sort of lead me, guide me, what, what's going to work best here. And he said, actually, we're not going to use any of that. And I said, well, great. You know, you take away my church. You take away my people. You leave me alone here in Ireland by myself. And now you're taking away my tools. But he spoke something very specifically to me. He said, son, let it be organic. He says, if you'll cultivate the fields that are before you, I will give you the people that you need. And this is what we have endeavored to do out of our living room. First starting in the school of our children, volunteering, being a part of all types of social activities and community events, connecting with people. And I'm telling you, my friends, it is incredible what God has done. Amen. In three years, we have seen the family church grow out of our living room to now three campuses of over 100 disciples. I'm not talking about people we baptized and came in and then went out the back door. I'm talking about people that are still with us, that are serving, that are growing, that are ministering. In fact, this morning, they're meeting at two of those campuses. Hallelujah. I just preached to one of them this morning before I came over here. Praise God. God is doing incredible things. Church in North Dublin, church in West Dublin, and now a church in Galway, the city of Galway. And we are excited about what God is going to continue to do organically in Ireland. When we first came to Ireland, there was one apostolic church in Ireland. I'm not claiming all the success is ours. But we endeavored, we have endeavored, and we have made an effort to work together with our fellow missionaries, Brother Cooney and Brother McFarland. And I'm happy to say that in, in the last three to four years, we have seen that number grow to 10 apostolic churches in Ireland today. Praise God. God is doing in, incredible things. And our vision is to see in, in the years that we have left, if God will enable us to plant 20 churches in Ireland. And I, I don't want to put a lid on it, but, you know, God can say 50 or 100, but I believe that's possible. I believe we can get 20 churches planted, amen, full of good disciples, amen, good leaders, people who love God and are reaching and are teaching and are sending back into the kingdom, growing the kingdom. Would you agree with us? Would you pray with us? Amen. Would you remember us today that God will just give us the strength and the resource that we need? As you see, I don't know why. God's just, God has a sense of humor sometimes. But uh, he has also asked, and our fellow peers and ministers have asked us to serve as their district superintendent, uh, representing some 30 churches and preaching points across all of Ireland, all of Scotland, all of Northern England. But that's a very, very low number. We need more churches. And we have cities of literally millions of people with no voices, no apostolic church. And first, what I want you to pray with me is that God would raise up leaders from among us. That he would raise up young men and women and families who will say, I will go. Amen. I'll take that challenge. Cities like Aberdeen, Scotland. Cities like Newcastle, England. Cities like Cork, Ireland, where we need a voice. I'm thankful for the North Americans that come and help us. But first and foremost, we need leaders to grow up from among us. Amen. And we, we need, we can't accelerate the process. But amen, we can, we can accelerate their interest by God just moving on them. Amen. And calling them out uh, from among the crowd to say, I will answer that call. I will go. Would you agree with us that God will, is able to do that today? Praise God. Amen. Well, again, thanks for having us. I know, I know what value time is in this generation. And for you to take out a whole Sunday morning service and give it to us, we are very, very grateful to you. And I just, I just ask, pray for us. Hold us up. Encourage us. Amen. We, we appreciate your pastor and his wife and especially their daughter. Amen. She's a good friend of ours and especially Ashley's today. Amen. But we need you on a team. We need you on the team and we, we appreciate it today. I, I want to just real quickly before we move on, I want to introduce you to my wife. Um, she, she is what missions is all about. Um, we often get to see the pictures with a little music underneath, stirs the emotions a bit, but we rarely get to see the living epistles, the people who truly uh, are the living and breathing 
products of our giving, of our sacrifice, and of our going. But my wife is today. She was not born and raised in this truth or in this country, but because of people just like you. Amen. When the missionary wanting to go to Italy, having a burden, oh God, I've got to go. I've got to answer this call. And somehow he connected with you and you said, man, we want to go with. And, and he went, he didn't go to Milan. He didn't go to Rome. He, of all places, he went to Catania, Sicily and began to preach this beautiful message where her father heard it when she was eight years old for the first time and received it and was baptized. Hallelujah. And now their whole family is serving the Lord. But I think what's beautiful is now she's a missionary back to her own continent for 20 years. And what a great partner she's been. And, and uh, she just shoots straight, man. And we'll tell you, she tells you like it is. Amen. But I think you can sense the love in her heart, not only for, for uh, uh, Europe, but for Dublin and for Ireland today. Amen. And I, I just want to introduce you. And I want to thank you today because I have a beautiful wife because of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> thank you so very much for your giving and sending. Praise the Lord. I'm really privileged, Brother Sister King, to be here. Of course, um, my children enjoyed the room so much. Thank you for all the treats and, and, and the special way of welcoming us. And Deandra, she's, she's super. Deandra, if you're listening, she is a, a, a tremendous uh, outreach um, to the young people. And we're looking forward to work with them in the future as a district. But uh, yes, thank you for your prayers. And I, yes. I was raised in Sicily, spoke to my family this morning, Italian and Sicilian, I moved to Greece and learned all over the country the language and uh, traveled to the United States and transferred to Ireland, Greece, then became superintendent wife of the uh, United Kingdom and Scotland District. I am all over the place. <laughs> I'm still figuring that out, but God has been awesome in my life. And I just say, God, whatever you want to do with me, through me, just help me out that all I can say so thank you for your support um, bind together with Europe it is a different field and it's, it's, it's tough and it's but God has his hand upon and, and we trust that the Lord we opening tremendous doors we have seen many things happening through his word every morning so thank you God bless praise God well that's as good as it gets praise God not going to get any better today. I'm sorry. Amen. You know, I just while she was speaking there, I, I thought about when, when God spoke to me, Ireland, and, and made it clear and confirmed that it was Ireland we needed to, to go to. I'm like, how do I convince this Mediterranean girl to give up the sunshine for an umbrella in Ireland? And, and I'll never forget when I went to her and I, I said, I think it's Ireland. And and uh, she started crying, and she said, you know, when I was a little girl, growing up in Sicily, there were two places that I always just had a dream to go to. She said, I told you one of those was Athens and Greece, and she said, and I know because she had the Acropolis all over her room, and, and that was one of her ambitions. She said, but I never told you the second one was Ireland. And I said, man, God, you had already prepared the way. You had prepared her heart for the work that was before her. And what a joy it's been to serve together. And I, she brought something up, and I was talking to Pastor. And it, I didn't plan to say this today, but it's okay, Pastor. Just oh, I was talking back here while service was just getting started. I, I need you to pray specifically for us that God would give us the wisdom and the connections to grow indigenous leaders. Indigenous Scottish, Indigenous Irish, Indigenous English leaders to reach those communities. Brother Terry Schock was just speaking with me recently, and he said something that just hit home. He said, John, he said, you are, you are digging out of churches out of marble with your fingernails. And I said, that, that is exactly the analogy of reaching into these communities. It's not easy. It's difficult. But it's worth the effort if we will just be intentional and we'll take time. You can't take time out of the equation. You've got to allow it to unfold in its time. But we need prayer, my friends. We're going to gather the, the immigrant harvest. We're going to gather those that are coming from Asia and Africa and Latin America. And, and we're going to celebrate that. But that's not the European revival. The European we're revival we're praying for is indigenous European, national European people to find God and to find faith again and to come to the power of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. And we're intentional about that. Amen. As we're going along in Ireland and in our district and just pray that God would give me wisdom and the connections that we need because I believe God's going to give us a harvest there and a reaping. Praise God. Amen. I just want to, the commercial's over. Everybody take a deep breath. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I know that I'm, I'm standing here behind a very anointed table, <laughs> pulpit, whatever. I, I understand you have an incredible pastor and incredible team here, and I, I'm just honored to stand here today. I'm just going to be myself. But there's something I want to deliver to this congregation today. God's already moved in an amazing way. But I felt God speaking to me there. Just, I'm trying to move in the spirit, this deputation. And I'm, I'm going to try to get you out. We'll try to beat. I don't know what you have up here, Baptist, or probably a little bit of everything. Try to beat them to the restaurants today. I don't know if we'll get it done, but we'll try. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 13. And uh, we'll begin reading with verse number 10. I don't know your tradition. If you stand for the reading of the word, please feel free to do so. Amen. If you want to stay seated, that's just stay with me. Praise God. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. And the disciples came and said to Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Or if you will allow me to paraphrase, maybe, maybe this might connect better. Why do you tell them so many stories? And uh, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Lord, you've been walking with me these three years, watching me perform miracles. I've opened your understanding a handful of times. And, but you see, these people haven't had that experience. They haven't had those opportunities. And therefore... I share the gospel with them in stories. And I want to talk to you today on this subject, the power of a story. The power of a story. Praise God. If you just put your phones, your tablets, your Bibles down, and would you just clap your hands and stir up something a little bit for me? Stir up the gift that is within you today. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You may be seated today. Benu Rani qualified for the Olympic team in 1976 for her country of Italy in the competition of cycling. After completing the trial process and being the selected one to represent her country, it was then that she was told the disturbing news that uh, there was not enough money in the budget to fund her particular event and the travel to Montreal to compete. But she was told that if she could somehow muster the funds herself and get to Montreal, she could certainly represent her country in her selected field. Obviously, coming from a very poor family in Bangalore. She did not have the funds herself. She tried to, to raise funds in her family and friends and connections that she had, but she fell woefully short. And it was then that she had this great idea. She said, well, I have a bicycle and I know how to ride this bicycle. I'm very good at it. And I will just ride my bicycle across the Middle East and into Europe. And there I will work my way across and I will have enough funds to fly from Europe over to Montreal and to compete in the Olympic Games. So she set out on her journey from Bangalore, India, riding her bicycle across that country and into Pakistan and then over into Iran, where she uh, found herself employed with a particular family, uh, trying to raise some funds to go further down the road, not knowing that that family seized her passport and refused to give it back to her until she had worked for her, them for over three years. 
After working with him for three years, obviously her dream was 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 busted and uh, uh, was no more. And, and she began to weigh her options as she now had her passport in hand. And her family had communicated with her and said she needed to come home because she had been betrothed to uh, another young man there in Bangalore that she didn't even know. And she decided, you know what? I don't want to marry this man. I don't know. I'm just going to keep riding. And so the years uh, 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 piled uh, on to each other as she began to make her way across Syria and across Turkey, and finally she made her way into Greece as an alcoholic, a depressed woman with no hope for her future. And there, after being in Greece for a few weeks, uh, she met a young lady from Malaysia on the bus. And there, that young lady began to tell her how she arrived in Greece, uh, uh, running away from an alcoholic home, uh, running away from, from poverty, running away from a hopeless situation. And she came to Greece looking for a better life for herself. And she said, I found something I totally did not expect. She said, uh, I went to a church called the Crossroads Church. Uh, and there I met Jesus and she said my life has completely changed I am no longer an alcoholic I am no longer fighting depression but I have found the meaning of life I have found my purpose I have found what life is all about Somehow, the way that she shared her story and shared her experience and testimony uh, caught the interest of Benu Rani. And Benu Rani said, where is this church? I'm not even a believer. But the way that you are expressing what has happened in your life intrigues me. Do you think maybe I could attend with you someday? She said, actually, tomorrow is our service. It's Sunday. If you would like to meet me here at this bus stop, uh, I will meet you and I will bring you. Uh, the lady arrived there the next morning morning and there was Benurani waiting on her and they went to the crossroads church together where I'm happy to tell you Benurani also met her destiny that Sunday morning where there she met Jesus Christ and there she gave her life to God and there she was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave her the ability her family again threatening her that she did not return they would send people to come and get her amen and the other family said that if she would marry someone else uh, that that they would send someone to hurt her and harm her she said to pastor she said pastor what i am going to do is give my life to jesus uh, i have nothing to go back for and i have nothing really to live for but for jesus uh, and so she set on the path uh, to give her life totally to god uh, amen she not only grew as a disciple but then she picked up a Bible study chart and she said, I'm going to start going and making disciples. And I'm happy to tell you today that that woman saw over 500 people baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost in Crossroads Church during my tenure as pastor there. It was several, just a couple of years ago that I received a phone call in Ireland that Sister Betty Ronnie passed away suddenly. And she had written down, I want Pastor Jonathan to come and preach my funeral. And it was just an honor to stand there and preach that woman's funeral. I, I, I'm afraid to stand in judgment with people like that. I'm going to tell you that woman was a soul winner. And so this is what I'm going to share with you today is her funeral sermon. But what, what, what made Sister Benurani so powerful is that she would go to the buses, the trams, public places, and she would meet people, and she would listen. And she would listen to their stories. And when they were finished sharing their experiences, she would have a way of just so genuinely and authentically patting them on the knee and saying, now let me tell you my story. And she would tell them about riding her bicycle across the Middle East and how God changed her life. And it wasn't long, Pastor King, before they were in the baptismal pool. It wasn't long before they were speaking in tongues. It wasn't long before some of these churches I told you about, some of those were her disciples that came up and now are playing churches. In fact, the day that she died, one of her students uh, became the first regional missionary from the Crossroads Church to Holland, was sent their brother, Sharoon John. Amen. Already planted three churches there in three years doing an incredible job. I'm trying to tell somebody today there's power in a story. 
You know, stories are one of the most powerful ways that we engage as humans. And because of that, stories, I believe, are vital to connections. Stories go far beyond just relaying facts and data, but stories have a way of emotionalizing information. And this is very important because it's, it's, it's one of the most difficult things to transfer feelings to others. It's difficult to make people feel the way you feel about something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a very difficult thing. You might say it's non-transferable, but it's through stories that people can feel your experience and the passion in your experience. But what I have learned today is that not all stories are equal. The most powerful stories are authentic stories. Someone once said it this way, authenticity is learning how to be interested and not just interesting. Otherwise, your audience will never believe what you were saying. Jesus understood this. He understood that a story told well and a story spoken in the correct season can have a massive effect upon a life. A story will inspire where other things will not. A story will move people to take action where every other resource you try can't get them up and moving. In John chapter 9, there is an interesting story. It begins with Jesus spitting on the ground and then he makes a, a clay out of the spittle and the dirt. And I like the way the Bible says, then he anoints the blind man's eyes. As we would say in Ireland, you know, what an anointing of muck that, that was placed upon that blind man's eyes. And then Jesus asked him, now go and wash it off at the pool of Siloam. And what's amazing is the man obeyed and he went and he washed his eyes. And even more amazing, he returned seeing. Wow. What a story. But that's not the end of the story. The former blind man's neighbors now begin to talk. And, and they begin to communicate in the community and question each other whether or not it's the same man they remember as being blind and growing up blind. And he replied to them, yeah, it's me. Hallelujah. I'm the same one. Not only that, but now the former blind man's parents are brought in before the authorities in question. And, and, and they are asked to speak for their son. And they say to the authorities, well, why don't you ask him his story himself? And so then they bring him in and he shares with them the story and the experience. And the Pharisees then say, uh, tell us the story again. And he gets excited. He says, you must want to be disciples of Jesus. Yes. Yes. And then he says, look, as I have told you before, whether or not this man Jesus is a sinner is something you're going to have to work out for yourselves. All I know, all that I can tell you is my story. And here is my story. Once I was blind, but now I see. I want to share, especially with the younger generation today, never underestimate the power of your story. The enemy today is here to kill, steal, and rob what is significant to you. And what is most significant to you is your experience, your journey today. Don't let the enemy convince you, amen, that your story doesn't have enough ribbons and bows. It doesn't have enough interesting facts and stopping points. Uh, amen. Your story is valuable today. Your story is powerful today. Your story is the power of overcoming in your life. Amen. Your story is significant today. And someone needs it. It will make a difference. If you've ever been lost, but today you find yourself found in this community, then you have a story to tell. Amen. If you have ever gone astray, prodigals, but the grace of God has brought you back home, then you have a story to tell. Hallelujah. If you've ever been sinking in despair and depression and discouragement, but today you are walking in hope and confidence and the assurance and the peace of God, then you have a story to tell. If you've ever been hurting, but now you are healed, you have a story to share. Someone once said it this way, scars are like tattoos, but with better stories. 
I like that. Hallelujah. Amen. Your healed wounds are your greatest opportunities today. They are God's story for you. They are specific to you. They were designed to work for you. They can only be understood by you. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross. He didn't say, take up my cross. Because although we can observe others' crosses, we can never understand them. And we still struggle with great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifested. And we still struggle with why would God do such a thing for us? But we can understand our journey. We know where we were. We know where we are. And we know where we are going today. But it doesn't matter how much God desires to share through your story if you do not know how to tell it. A secret story is a worthless story. If we do not understand how to interpret God's will in our lives, then how can we embrace it? How can we declare it? How can we partner with it? I want to really quickly say right here, our stories must go beyond the stories that were told to us. God is not interested in clones who are good for passing down inheritances, but are incapable of creating one. Amen. We need a more diverse stories. We need more diverse disciples. And we must become less content with being a part of a corporate witness. Amen. Being part of church slogans and church programs and church plans. Amen. And we need to be more intentional about finding a personal witness in our life. Not about what God has done for somebody else, but what has God done for you? Well, my story's not that exciting. I don't care. It's your story. It's the only thing you'll ever get passionate about. It's the only thing that you'll take seriously, truly. It's the only thing that you'll get you up and get you moving because it's about what God is doing in your life. It's your story, and it's powerful. As I told you, it's hard to transfer the feelings. But through sharing your experiences, passion is communicated in ways that will emotionalize the information that people can feel what you are feeling. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't just invite them to church. Don't just invite them to a program. Amen. But speak to them your story. And I promise you, they'll connect with Jesus much quicker, much easier with that than a program or an event. Amen. All of that's good and wonderful. But we need people out there sharing their story. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm moving quickly. Paul said it. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. But I obtained mercy. And the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant in faith and love. And this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So I'm not going to put any, 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 I'm not going to pretty it up. I'm not going to cover up all the ugly parts of warts. I'm going to show you this is who I was. Amen. But the grace of God, amen. By the grace of God, I have obtained mercy. And he said, this is the reason I obtained mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering to a, as a pattern to those who are going to believe hallelujah amen the power of your story if your story is to be believed if your story is to create a conversation if your story is to leave a legacy it must answer three questions and i'm going to move through these quickly the first question is this what is your story all about what is your story all about? i'm going to answer that for you it's about the love of god and oh great oh the love of god we've heard about that a million times I'm going to tell you, we're in trouble in this generation. And I'll tell you why we're in trouble. Because we have destroyed the role of the father, the role of the man in this generation. And that's why this generation, the World Health Organization just made depression the world's greatest health risk. Amen. We are suffering from suicidal uh, efforts, tendencies, thoughts, feelings all across the world. Even in our fellowship, our young people are suffering today because the men today don't know if they're supposed to buy the dishes or wash the dishes. 
They don't know where they belong. They don't know their role. They don't know who they were called to be. And we're every day destroying that more and more and more and more. And our youth are struggling with understanding where's the love coming from? Where's the affirmation coming from? Who affirms me? Who strengthens me? Who encourages me today? I'm going to tell you what. We need more than ever to be connected to the Father's love. In this generation, it's what's going to shore us up. It's what's going to keep us in the tough times. We see this in the story of Joseph. Genesis 20, 37 and 3 says, Israel loved Joseph. Everybody say loved. Loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Nothing releases the destiny of a child more than the favor of a parent. And vice versa. Something is lost in the spirit of a child that doesn't believe that it is love. And absolutely, Joseph knew that that, that that coat his father gave him meant that he loved him unconditionally. He loved him in a special way. And the evidence is when he put that coat on, he began to dream. God's dreams. Hallelujah. Amen. We will not dream God's dreams, young people, unless we are convinced God loves us today. Amen. And it's got to be a heavenly love, but it's also got to come through. Amen. Our earthly fathers today, our earthly mothers. Uh, amen. There's got to be a nurturing today. When we do not believe that we have uh, that we have the love of God upon us unconditionally, nothing that we can do can make him love us less. Nothing we can do to make him love us more. He just loves us agape. Hallelujah. He loves you today. And you need to be convinced of that. Amen. Otherwise, we will dream dreams of fantasies, trying to fill the holes in our heart, fantasies of wealth, fantasies of power, fantasies of influence. But there is no one who believes in you like God believes in you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, whoever believeth in him should not perish. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners and sinning, he died for us. Hallelujah. Love will keep you where other things will leave you. Amen. Love will stay with you. Hallelujah. And sustain you when other resources have long failed and fallen by the wayside. Amen. The understanding and the knowledge. Every morning we need to wake up and bathe in those mercies that are new every day. And thank him for his love. Thank him for what the price that he has paid and what he has purchased for us. But also thank him that he is not leaving us or forsaken us, but that he is with us today it's God that has found us he came from heaven down to earth we didn't pursue him he pursued us and his love is presently surrounding us come on we can quote it who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or sword no I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things yet to come will ever be able to separate me from the love of God. That's confidence. And being that confidence, Hebrews 13 and 5 tells us, knowing that we are loved in that way, then let your conduct be without covetousness. That word covetousness can also be interpreted fantasy. Think about it. We think if we have someone else's things, we will have their life. And that's what he's saying. He follows it. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We need more than ever to understand that's what our story is about. Every time I get up and preach, it's about the grace of God. It's not about a fellowship card. It's not about who my father was. Amen. It's just about the grace of God today. I like to say sometimes as young men, we we see success in the ministry as an affirmation of our gifting. But as we grow older, Brother King, and hopefully a little wiser, and hopefully a little humbler, amen, we, 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 we tend to see it more as grace than gifting. Amen. That You know what? But for the grace of God, oh God, I could be just like this. 
them. I could be out there. I could be in prison this morning, but grace, amen, grace, grace, and the love of God has kept me. You're not here today, amen, by chance. You're here because the love of God has brought you into this house today. And you need to walk in the confidence and the assurance of that. And that's, that's what kept Joseph. It wasn't the dreams. In fact, he didn't remember the dreams till it, the story was over. Huh? Yeah. Amen. But when his brothers came, what was the first question he asked? How's my father? Is he still alive? Amen. It was the love of the father. He knew what that coat meant. He knew his great-grandfather had, 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 had a covenant with God. God Almighty had spoken to his great-grandfather uh, uh, and, and, and said, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And then he passed it down to Isaac, his grandfather. And then his father, Jacob, had received that same uh, uh, covenant and blessing. And he knew what that coat meant. He knew what that coat meant. It was the love and the blessing of God that was upon him. And that's why he was able to graciously, amen, and with character walk through all of the injustices that he endured in his life until God picked him up and put him where he wanted him. And then, hallelujah, he remembered the dreams. He remembered what God had spoken to him, but what kept him was the love, the knowing that I am loved, that I am in God's hands, that all of this is for his purpose, his will. The second question that your story must answer is why is your story relevant? Why, why would people be even interested in your story? Again, the answer is because of the call of God that's upon you today. Do you not know that you are a temple of the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You know, God only calls what is his. When I call my children in from play, I don't call my neighbor's children. I call Ashley, Sienna, time to come in. And you are here today, not because you called yourself, not because somebody else picked you up. You were here today because God drew you into this house. You said, yes, I will go. But it was God that called you into this house today. Amen. There is a specific calling and unction upon you. All of us today, little by little, we are coming into who we are. And the more we are coming into who we are, the less we want to be who we were. Hallelujah. And your commitment is born out of that call. Your commitment is born out of that calling upon you today and that anointing and unction that is upon you. You are here today because you cannot walk away. Something's got a hold of you that won't let go. Jeremiah said, I'd like to quit preaching, but I can't because it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Where's Brother Josh? Help me today. Come on up here. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm getting close, folks. Just hold on. Praise God. Brother Josh, man, you made me feel so welcome today. I appreciate that. Amen. You just met me at the door. I felt right at home from day number one, and I appreciate that ministry. I appreciate that servant's heart that's in you. I watched you praying for your friends here today, too. I saw that heart in you. Appreciate that about you, okay? Appreciate you. Go ahead. You can go back and sit down. Now, I want to ask you today, when I called Josh up here, why didn't somebody stop him? Because you didn't know his mission. Yeah. Let's see what Brother Strickland has in store. Yes. This might be interesting. We might get another story out of this deal. Do you know it's the same with the enemy? When God calls you, the enemy doesn't know your mission. And so the only thing that can hold you back is yourself. When God calls you, just get up and go. Get up and come. He didn't know what I wanted from him. He just answered the call. Amen. Hallelujah. And the enemies watch. Whoa, whoa, what, what, where, where, where are they going? What turn? What's God going to do in their life? He's not a clue what God is wanting to do in your life. Just answer the call. Amen. Get up and answer the call. When Sister Maria and I first started, <laughs> it looks bad now, but we, we literally started in Athens in my office. 
And we slept, I was sleeping on the floor. Brother Kenneth Haney came and preached for us. He was so impressed with that. He asked me to come preach the school of prophets over there. I was the worst preacher on the docket. But he just was so excited. I was sleeping on the floor in Athens. And then we got married and we had no house and we started. And, and the people across the road, they were so kind. They felt so sorry for us. They said, Pastor, we're going to buy you a sofa. <laughs> and they bought a sofa and they put it in our office and, and it folded out in one of those futon things. But, but it was not big enough for two people. And so I was back on the floor and Sister Maria was on the sofa. That's where we started. And then we got a a one-room apartment with no furniture. We had a mattress on the floor, and our, our dining room table was the box that the mattress came in. And it set up on some blocks, and Sister Mary put a, put, a, put a tablecloth over it, and we got some of those old white lawn chairs on the church balcony. Those are the kind that you sit in and then the legs splay out on. I don't know if you ever, you know what I'm talking about. That was our, that was our dining room furniture. We had no car because we weren't fully appointed missionaries yet. No, she's for Christ. So we walked the 12 blocks over to Crossroads every day and walked back at night, sometimes late at night, locking it up. Uh, but boy, those were exciting days, Brother King. Hallelujah. Amen. We were just answering the call. Hallelujah. Amen. We had some lessons to learn, but we were just answering the call. Amen. And some people would try to say, would come and try to say, man, you go back home and you do so much better. You get a church back home and do I said, man, I'm just answering the call in my life. I don't know about that, but I'm happy. I'm thrilled. Hey, man, I remember times walking back with, from the church at night, back to our house, and there was this little nut shop, and they had a way of warming those nuts that, oh, it smelled good, especially on a cool evening, and we would cobble together a few coins. I'm telling you, we lived on 500 euros a month for two years. That's not a lot of money in Europe, I'm going to tell you what. Hey, man, and I, 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 we would just cobble some coins together and maybe get a warm bag of cashews, and that was pleasure, man, sharing those on the way home, talking about what God did at service that night and what he was going to do in the, in the discipleship program we were launching and how God was going to grow new leaders. Man, it was exciting. Answering the call. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what people don't want to hear today. They won't, they're tired of the practice polished corporate message that we have for them. Amen. They want to hear real stories. They want to hear real experiences. Don't take, don't take the warts out of the story. Don't take the weaknesses out of your story. Say, you know what? I'm struggling this week, man. The devil's after me. I'm fighting battles after battle. But you know what? I know I got the love of a heavenly father and I know I'm called and I'm just staying the course. Some of you are just standing. Amen. But your head's pointed where you're going. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not able to even take a baby step right in, but my head's pointing where I'm going. I'm going that way. Doing. Growing. Praise God. I challenge you young people today. Amen. I'm a, this, is a, this is a concern with me, and I'm, I'm coming to a close. In, in this generation... You know, there's an app for that, for everything. <laughs> and there's a tendency to want to bypass processes and get straight to the top. It's got to be an easier way. It, it doesn't work that way in the kingdom. You, gotta, you can't take time out of the equation. You've got to just grow it over time. Amen. And if you allow the call to grow out of you. Oh, hallelujah. I look back today, Sister Mary. Oh, Oh, hallelujah, what a journey. And we're excited about what's next and what God's going to do in our life. But I'm trying to tell you today, you have a story, so share it authentically. Don't tell them what's happening in your church. Tell them what God's doing in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why we can't connect with anyone. It's difficult for us to connect outside of our culture with people that aren't of our culture. That don't understand what we grew up in and what we heard all. I'm a fifth generation apostolic preacher. And I, I'm thankful for my, my heritage. But you know what? It comes with some curses as well. 
some severe curses because sometimes it can feel a bit entitled and feel like, well, why don't they understand, you know? Amen. It's so easy for me because I grew up in this thing. Hallelujah. Amen. If you'll just share your story. In closing. So, what's your story about? The love of God. Why is your story even want to be heard or relevant or listened to? Because you've got a call on your life. And it's evident. But the, sec- the third thing is, how will your story be told? In the book of Exodus, we see Moses receives a call at a burning bush. Right? Yep. Now, I've been in Greece for many years, and I've seen a lot of shepherds. Being a shepherd's boring. (laughs) It's just following a bunch of smelly, bleeding, bell-clanging sheep all day. Not a lot of excitement going on. And again, I know you're intelligent, well-seasoned, and well-informed people today. You understand that a lot of times those old shepherds, they would carve into their staffs, their stories, their experiences. There weren't that many. So that was sort of kind of how they kept themselves occupied. And in many cases, those became fairly family heirlooms and passed down because they were, they were, they were a mark of that shepherd's story. Moses was not unlike those shepherds. I mean, he had to occupy the time some way. And yet he's walking, doing his normal routine. Somebody once said it was the sheep that brought Moses to his destiny. I thought that was a good way to put it. Huh? Yes. Amen. You know, he said, Peter, just feed my sheep. You know, suddenly we're just, we're just doing our part, doing our role, and, and somehow we get there. But now he's, uh, you know, he, it, it must have been a, a great thing because he said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Now, it doesn't take much in the wilderness following sheep to get excited about something different and unique. But he, he goes, he climbs the mountain and he gets up to where the bush is burning. And not sure enough, it's not being consumed. But that's not enough. Uh, suddenly, a voice begins to speak out of this bush. Moses. <laughs> Most of us would have been, ah! <laughs> but he stayed there, you know. He must have been thoroughly bored. He stayed there and said, let's see this through. What's going to happen here? And, and shoes coming off the feet. And all, he obeyed all of that. And now you would think that would be enough, you know. Man, woo, where do you want me to go, God? Hallelujah. Well, point me in the direction. I'll run through a troop and leap over a wall. Yeah. You see, that's sometimes, again, the younger generation. It, it helps you to immerse yourself in people of experience and their stories. So Moses had been there and he knew it wasn't going to be as easy as just walking in and saying, let my people go. He knew that. And so he asks all these questions and then this particular one that I want to point out real quickly is he says, suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. In other words, suppose they will not believe my story. And of course, God gave him that famous line, what is in your hand? A staff, my story. Here's my story carved in the wood. In other words, he was saying to Moses, just share your story. Just be authentic. Be who you are. Well, I'm slow of speech. I am with you. Don't worry. Just be who you are. Okay. I promise you, this is it. But I've got, I've got to wrap it up this way and tell you, you know, as a fifth generation apostolic, I've never spent hard time in prison. I've never had to deal to pay my family's debts and bills and feeling like that was my only option. I've never had to do that. I, I, I didn't live in an abusive home where my mom and dad fought all the time and maybe even a single parent home. I grew up in a home of love and people loved God and loved the kingdom. What a blessing. But as I walk the streets of Dublin and I see the curse of alcoholism and the destruction to families and the, the, the terrible state that people's lives are in, sometimes I feel like, well, what do I have to say to these? God spoke to me so clearly one day. He said, son, just tell them your story. I said, 
said, yeah, but I, I've never been in prison. I, I never dealt drugs. I, I, just, just tell them your story. I said, well, the only story, I, you know, is growing up, thank God you have pews. All the other churches going to these chairs now. I, I, I can use this. I grew, grew up falling asleep under the pew in revival services where we, we didn't have service like Wednesday and Sunday or just Sunday. We had service Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I had to go to school Monday morning. And so that's why I slept a lot in church. I was tired. I remember, you know, my story is I remember waking up with all the lights out in the church and everybody's gone because my parents got so excited about what God was doing through the evangelist and to take him out to eat after church. They forgot about me on the floor and left me. <laughs> Maybe I, I should have said I did have a little abuse in my life. <laughs> That's my story. You know, I, I grew up in a church planner's home. We never had a lot of money or things and material things. We had a lot of beautiful eternal things, in our, but nothing material. So we never had a swimming pool. So my brother and I, we're just ingenious. We thought, well, there's one in the church. <laughs> and, uh, numerous occasions we went swimming in the baptismal pool. <laughs> Don't tell my parents. <laughs> I remember setting Moses on fire in the Sunday school room and playing with matches and, you know, those cold cotton beards, you know, glued onto the wall. And, and we got too close. And, and there goes Moses up in flames. And my mom comes running. What's going on? Well, I don't know. Moses just caught on fire. <laughs> those are my stories. I, I remember being so excited about what God was doing, but having no one to baptize. So my brother and I went and baptized our dog in the ditch. <laughs> True stories. But I also remember Brother King. I remember when the, the Masons cheated my dad at trying to build a church and they took the money and they ran and didn't finish the job. And I remember, we didn't have internet back then. I remember my dad going to the library and getting books and trying to figure out how to be a mason overnight because he had no more money and he's just trying to build a church. And, and I remember as a seven-year-old boy trying to do my best to push that wheelbarrow full of bricks over to my dad and hand them up to him one at a time as he built that church brick by brick by brick by brick by brick. I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Right. Amen. That church today runs over a thousand people, by the way. Hallelujah. Amen. Huh. What an experience. I remember, I can tell you so many of those stories, but just because of time, I remember, I remember uh, my dad being, being nervous, uh, calling a family meeting. And my dad was not a nervous person, very confident in the Lord. And, and, and this was new to me and fresh to me. I'm a 15-year-old teenager about to get my driver's license. And I'm, I, I've got my girlfriend. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm playing uh, basketball at the school. And, and, and my, my dad's nervous about something. And I can tell it. And he's trying to share something. And he's stuttering around. And, and then it just comes to me two months earlier I was at youth camp and God spoke to me and said your family will not be here very long we're going somewhere else God is sending us to another challenge to another ministry and I, it moved on me so so greatly in that youth camp that I voiced it to my friends I said I don't feel like we'll be I don't know where we're going but I feel like God's calling our family somewhere else and I don't understand it but, but I feel like God is equipping us and enabling us for this and here's my dad trying to talk about something and I could tell him, I said dad dad can I say something I said I just want to let you know two months ago at youth camp God spoke to me this and I just shared with him what God spoke and I watched the tears flowing down my dad's face as he realized God had gone before him and prepared the way he was so worried about me and about that transition to Greece and he said oh Jonathan thank you he said that's what I was worried about he said now I know God's already spoken to you let's go and answer the call in Greece hallelujah Oh, those are stories that I wouldn't trade. But I look up, Brother King, and all across my church today, there's people who have dealt. And they're full of the Holy Ghost today and delivered and saved and becoming disciple makers. I look across my congregation and there's people who've spent hard time in prison. And today they're free and they're serving the Lord and they're reaching your community. 
Got people from all kinds of nations that speak different languages and different experiences, not even close to my experience. And all I did was just tell them my story. Even with Europeans, I just tell them about going to sleep and tell them they, they, they just think that's just great. Because somewhere in that, I, I transfer passion, feeling, faith, and they can connect with that. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's power in your story. Quit calling Brother Joe to tell his story for your friend, your convert. Just tell him your story. Amen. Just tell him the true story. Just tell him the ups and the downs, the ups and the downs, the journey that you're making, places that God has brought you and the places that God is going to bring you in, I promise you. You'll see a power. You'll unleash a power in your life and the lives of others today. Let's stand together. Praise God. I know it's late. I'm sorry. But, uh, I just feel like somebody needs to respond today. Amen. I know that we don't have a lot of music going on, but somebody, you've got a story to tell, and you need to reconnect to your story. You need to reconnect to your experience. You need to come back and remember, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, because there's people watching you. Amen. And don't let it just be, again, the corporate story, but let it be your story. And I promise you, I think there's some people here you're going to see the best year you've ever seen in evangelism in your life and in your personal witness. Amen. How, there, there's probably some people in here you've never experienced that. You've never experienced actually going and reaching someone yourself and bringing them and seeing them come and find God and faith in your life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, but I'm a, I, just, I hope I brought courage to you. I hope I brought encouragement to you today to say, you know what? I can do that. Amen. I can do that. I, I've had people who couldn't tell you the difference between Genesis and Revelation. Amen. When people left and right to the Lord because they just went and told people their story and what God had done for them and how far he had brought them. Amen. God has all of these other resources and tools here to help you and to assist you, but just go speak to them what God is doing in your life. Would somebody come today? Would somebody respond? Would somebody just come forward? I'm not asking you to stay here all day. I know you're hungry. You got to go, but would you just come and say, Lord, let me connect with my story today. Amen. Let me reconnect with what you have done for me. Let me remember those things that were between you and I. It was you and me. It was this and that. It was that moment that it changed in my life. Help me to remember that. Help me to connect with that again. Some of you younger people, you're just, you're just growing a story. Amen. Your journey is just beginning. Hallelujah. But get excited about where that's going to bring you. Get excited about the turns and twists. Get excited about just how God can take little and make much. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody's getting excited today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody's had some clarity spoken to them today.